this morning will be that all men are accountable uh, to God. All men are accountable uh, to God. Some people approach religion as a take it or leave it uh, situation. Much like you might approach a, a ball team. Are you going to play ball this year? Well, maybe this year, but not next. Or uh, maybe choosing a college. Are you going to go to college this year? No, I'm going to set out a year and then go. Or joining some uh, health club or, or some charity club. Take it or leave it. Uh, some people approach religion in a more personal preference type of way. They, they might say to you, well, uh, religion is good for you. That faith is good for you, but it's just not good for me, at least not right now. Other people might say, well, I'd love to try faith, I'd love to try uh, the Bible, but I'm just too wrapped up in life. Life is just too busy for me, and I just, uh, I just can't handle it uh, right now. All these ideals don't work, because as we will focus on this morning, all of us are accountable to God. That is, all of us are responsible to God, no matter who we are. All of us are responsible. In other words, we'll be looking at some reasons this morning why each of us, everybody walking and breathing, uh, should be trying their best to worship and serve uh, God. Look down to Acts 17 and verse 30 where Paul says, God now commands all men everywhere to repent. Notice the little words there, uh, the few words, all men everywhere. All men everywhere. All of us are responsible uh, toward God today. So some of us might have different reasons uh, as we walk on earth not to serve God. You know, right here in Acts 17, 21 and 22, notice that some are curious about religion, but they're not serious. Some of the, some of the Athenians, uh, they spent their time in nothing else but to hear and to tell some new thing. Almost sounds like Facebook, doesn't it? I mean, to hear, to hear something new or to tell something new. Okay. They're curious, but they're not serious. But we've got to focus on this very important idea. All of us are accountable to God. Here are four reasons this morning. Four reasons why all of us are accountable uh, to God. First, all men are dependent upon God for life. All of us are dependent upon God for life. We read this in Acts 17, what Chris read for us there. Verses 24 and 25, the God that made the world, He being Lord of heaven and earth. He dwells not in temples made with hands, nor is He served by men's hands as though He needed anything, seeing that it is He who gives to all, notice this, it is He who gives to all life, breath, and all things. Psalm 100 picks up on this idea. Verse 3, Know that the Lord, He is God, it is He who made us, and not we ourselves. It is He who made us and we uh, belong to Him. That's why going back to Acts 17, 28, Paul says it is in Jesus, in the Lord, that is that we, we live and we move and we have our being. In Him we live and move and have our being. Why? Because we are so very dependent upon Him uh, for life itself. Colossians 1 and verse uh, 16 Paul reiterates this when he says that in Jesus, uh, all things were created. Through Jesus, all things were created, whether it be heaven or earth, whatever you're talking about. And then also in Jesus, all things consist. 
Life continues because of God. Notice this also in Hebrews 1 and verse 3, where it says, Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. The entire universe, because we have sunlight and daylight, because Jesus is in control, we have sunlight, we, we have daylight, we have nighttime, we have air to breathe, we live, we move, we have our very being because we of Him, because of His creation, because of His power. We are dependent upon Him. And so therefore we read in such passages as James 1.17, we realize our blessings. Every good gift, every perfect gift, it comes down from above. From the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow that is cast by turning. I love what Paul says to some uh, idol worshipers in Acts 14, 17. He said, now the true God did not leave himself without witness, Acts 14, 17. The true God did not leave himself without witness. Because he did good, he's given us rain from heaven. He's given us fruitful seasons, and He has filled our heart with food and gladness. You ever notice how much in the Bible that food and gladness go together? God God gives us food so that we can enjoy one another's uh, company, but God has blessed us so very much. The reason that we're accountable to Him, that we are to be responsible toward Him, is because we're so dependent upon Him. As a child is dependent upon his parents, as a pet is dependent upon his uh, caretakers, as a plant of any kind is dependent upon uh, the owners and and the caretakers uh, of that plant. So in just that way, we are dependent upon our Lord for life itself. And this is to create within us a response, you see. A response. So notice this question from from, um, Psalm 116 and verse 12. Notice this question from Psalm 116 and verse number 12. Where the inspired writer said, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? That's the natural response. A good and honest heart will say, I have all these benefits. I have all these blessings. The Lord, the Lord is providing life for me. Without Him, I wouldn't be here. Then what can I render to Him? What can I render to Him? We learn from, from Romans chapter 1, 21 and following that a grateful heart is really the key to religion. It's really the key to faith. And Paul spoke of some who, who did not see it that way. He said, uh, though they knew God, Romans 1, 21, Though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. And neither were thankful. But being darkened in their understanding, their foolish heart was darkened. And they were, they were vain in their understanding and their foolish heart was darkened. And professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And before long, they were worshiping and serving the creature rather than the Creator. Now, ingratitude, and I don't, I don't mean to sound like Yoda from Star Wars here, but but real, this is the truth. Uh, ingratitude is the pathway to idolatry. Okay. If, if we're not supremely thankful to God, then we're going to be idolaters in one way or another. Okay. And so we are all accountable to God because we are dependent upon Him for life uh, itself. 
Now, in the second place, all men are subject to the laws of God. We are accountable to Him because all of us are subject to His His laws. Because God created the heavens and the earth and all things uh, therein, it all belongs to Him. Psalm 24 verse 1 makes this clear. The earth is the Lord's, you've read this many times, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness uh, thereof, the world and everybody in it, it all belongs uh, to Him. No, if it's kind of like a landlord situation. If, uh, if we borrow a room or a house or rent a room or a house or something from someone else, then, of course, we are subject to the desires and the wishes and, and yes, the rules of that landlord. And so here we are on earth and, and we are walking on God's land. We are breathing God's air. We are drinking from from God's springs. We are eating of God's bounty. And so therefore, in a very natural way, uh, we are subject to His laws. God has given laws all throughout history. He spoke directly to Adam and Eve in Genesis 2 and verse 15, having them to to keep the garden and also to stay away from from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. God spoke in days past and old times directly to people like Abraham and to Noah, with the nation of Israel, according to Acts uh, 16.29. With the nation, did I say Acts? According to Luke 16.29, uh, God spoke uh, to the nation of Israel through, through Moses and the prophets, a written law through Moses and the prophets. But as we all know, today we don't serve under those laws. We don't serve under those conditions. God doesn't speak directly to people today. He doesn't speak to us through the written law of of Moses and the prophets, but rather when Jesus died on the cross, all that died with him. Today we're under law to Christ. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ. And so we're accountable, responsible to God, because we're all subject to his laws. When we say law, we're not to think of God as some dictator. It's not that at all. Now, He has all authority. We've seen that already this morning. He has all authority. But He doesn't desire that kind of relationship with us. God's laws are laws of love. The directions from God come from someone who who loves us more than we can ever think about. The directions from God is from Him who knows us best and the one who desires the very best for us, no doubt. Much like parents, right? Much like a father, very much so. In 1 John 5 and verse 3, I think it is, John writes that the commandments of the Lord are not grievous. They're they're not burdensome. They fit us very well. In fact, it's a perfect fit for us, the commandments are. Jesus kind of refers to this in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, when he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see, see, what Jesus is asking from us is something that we desperately need, and it fits us perfectly because it comes from one who knows us and wants the best for us. John 1, verse 17, we read these words, The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. That's the kind of law that we serve today. It's, 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 it's a law full of grace and truth. Now right here in Acts 17, you'll notice, what is it, uh, 28, 29, he says, um, Paul says, we are all the offspring of God. E- even some of the poets of the world in Paul's day admitted that we are the offspring of God. Okay. And so therefore, being the offspring of God, we ought not to think of God as, as wood, as something coming out of wood or, or stone or gold or metal or something that is designed by the imagination of man, carved or shaped by the imagination of men. Although people would love to, to kind of shape God in their own desires, and many people try to do that, but nonetheless, God is not that way. God is not stiff. Okay? He's not a stone. He's not a piece of wood. He is, he is the heavenly person. He's, he's the true God. He wants a relationship with us, a father-child relationship uh, with us. And so we're all responsible toward Him because we're all subject to His, his laws. And then thirdly this morning, <clears throat> all men owe a debt that can never be paid back. That's why we're responsible toward Him. We all owe a debt that can never be paid back. Again, in Acts 17.30, Paul says, Now God commands all men everywhere to repent. All men everywhere need to repent because all men everywhere have sinned. Romans 3.23 We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus describes sin as a debt. As he teaches us to pray there in Matthew 6, you remember this, Matthew 6 and verse 12, teaching us to pray. He said, now here, here's what I want you to include in your prayers. Uh, forgive others. Ask God to help you forgive others. And he said, uh, you can say it like this, uh, Lord, forgive us our debts, that is our sins, as we forgive our debtors, those who have sinned against us. And, and he goes on to explain that, verse 14. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Sin is a debt. Sin is absolutely a debt. And it's an unpayable debt. And this is brought out in Matthew 18, 23, when Jesus gives a little story. Again, it's in the context of forgiveness, but Jesus brings out the fact that sin is a debt. So Jesus tells a story about a king, and the king decided he's going to settle his accounts with his servants. And one particular servant was brought before him who owed 10,000 talents. Now, in that day, under the Roman rule, a denarius was a common man's daily pay, a denarius. A talent was huge. A talent covered 20 years of a common man's pay together. 20 years of salaries. 20 years of pay. Now this man owed 
the king 10,000 talents. He absolutely couldn't pay it back. So in the story Jesus tells, the king said, okay, I want this man and his, and his wife and his children, all that he has sold and then get payment uh, from whatever that is. But then the man who was to be sold came before the king and begged him. Bowed down and begged him. And the king had pity upon him and forgave him all the debt. If you want to know the situation between you and God, us and God, that's it right there. That's it. He forgave him all the debt. You are that servant who was about to be sold. But God has pity upon us. Forgives us all the debt. And the good news is, even though we are under an unpayable debt, Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient to cover our sins, to cover our debt. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28, in the context, of course, of the Lord's Supper, Jesus said, This is the blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Notice he's bringing up his own sacrifice and blood there. And he says, It is for the remission of sins. Remission there is a financial word, simply meaning to cover a debt, to cover the debt. Only Jesus' blood can do that. Now we read in Hebrews 9, 20, 22, that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins, but Jesus is the answer to that. Now, it's interesting that as we submit to His will, then we're able to take advantage of and apply this wonderful blessing of His sacrifice uh, to our souls. Thinking about that term remission, remember what Peter said to those who wanted to know what to do to be saved from their sins, Acts 2.38. Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is not payback. This is not us being able to pay for our debt, but rather this is us out of a grateful heart. Remember that first point? Out of a grateful heart, what shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? Out of a grateful heart, and because we realize that we are subject to His laws, this is us then humbly coming before Him in gratitude for what He has done at the cross. That's not earning your salvation. That's just submitting to His will. Now, a lot of people walk around knowing that deep down inside something's not right. Something, and, and it's what's bothering them is sin. It's their conscience bothering them, but it's sin, it's sin agonizing their conscience. And they will turn to something to try to relieve that. Many people will turn to gold and silver. And Peter kind of refers to this in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. He says, we were not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold handed down to you from the traditions of your fathers, but rather we are redeemed through the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Now, 
these Athenians here, these people in Athens in Acts 17 that Paul is speaking to, the city is absolutely given over to idolatry. What are they doing? They're trying to find a relief for that which is agonizing them deep down in their soul. They just don't know. And that's why Paul was there. Paul is there because people don't know the true God. They don't know the price that has been paid for our sin. That's why Paul is there. That's why we must go. We sing that song, where sin has gone, must go His grace. The gospel is for all. We must go. As Roger was praying earlier, we must be missionaries ourselves. We must look out. We must help at every opportunity. Time is passing and God has provided His Son. So all of us are responsible to God because we all owe an unpayable And then finally this morning, because we're all headed to the judgment day. Every man is responsible to God because we're all headed to the judgment day. You see this, you know, you see this in Acts 17. Notice this little uh, statement from a man who was one of the great, great statesmen that our country has ever known, Daniel Webster. He served this nation as an educator and a statesman early parts of the 19th century. Someone asked him, what do you think is the greatest thought you've ever had? Here's what he said. He said, my gravest thought has been that I shall someday stand before God in judgment and give an account of how I have lived. He read the Bible some, didn't he? Notice right here in Acts 17.31 as Paul comes to a a conclusion of some of the things he's saying here in Athens, he says, God has appointed a day. It's a judgment day. And God has appointed a man, not just any man, the man, Christ Jesus, the Son of God, given us assurance that this is going to happen through through His own resurrection. He's appointed a day. He's appointed a man to judge and he's going, to judge, he's going to judge the entire world. There won't be any no-shows at Judgment Day. My dad passed away a few years ago, but he, he would, uh, as he got older, he would have... Uh, men to come out and help him with projects at, at his land and his house. Uh, and sometimes they just wouldn't show up. And he, couldn't, he could not get his arms around them. They just would not show up. And then later he might, he might hear from them a day or two later. He, he was not brought up that way. There would be no no-shows. Some people just, some people approach religion like that today. They, they think, well, if I just don't show up, or if I just don't open up my Bible, if I just don't go to church then all that is just away from me. But just because one might not believe in God doesn't mean God doesn't exist. Just because they don't open up their Bibles does not not mean that God's Word is not the Word uh, from heaven. There will be no no no-shows in heaven. And there's going to be a great crowd there. If we had time, we would read such passages as Matthew 25, 31 to 33, where all the have ever lived, will assemble before the throne of Jesus. 
He will look to those on His right hand and say, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you uh, from the foundation of the world. But the thing is, there will be a massive, massive crowd before the throne on that day, but you won't be able to get lost in the crowd. You won't be able to get lost in the crowd. The Lord knows exactly what He's doing. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 says, We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And that will be the, to, to receive the things done in the body, whether it be good or bad. There's coming that, that ultimate day. That ultimate day. Romans 14, 12 says, well, Each of us will give an account to God. We, we won't get lost in the crowd. The Lord knows exactly who we are and where we're at. Every person who's ever stepped foot on this earth, according to Romans 14, 11, will confess... Many too late, but they will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord. They will bow their knees and they will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. But there's no need to wait to have that pressed upon you. We can know it now. As we've been singing this morning, Jesus indeed is Lord. All to Him we must uh, surrender. As we get ready to sing our song of encouragement, please go back to Acts 17.30. All men everywhere. I am someone, and I do live somewhere. Therefore, I am accountable to God. And I'm thankful to be, because He's Creator, and I am part of His creation. If we can assist you with any spiritual need this morning, will you please make that known right now as we stand together as we sing, Brother Aaron?